survey was done by Barna Research Group, which they research. It's is a Christian research group that uh, does studies uh, all around the United States, North America. And a few years ago, they did this. Uh, they, they put out a few questions uh, to individuals about this topic of forgiveness. And I'm going to throw some of these questions up here for you and see whether or not you agree or disagree. There's four questions that, that they had, uh, that they had given to uh, those, those people that they had polled uh, about what it really means to forgive. We have that first question. This first question says that you cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows some kind of remorse for what they did. You cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows some kind of remorse. And just contemplate that question for a minute. And for yourself, do you agree or do you disagree with that statement? I'm not going to necessarily ask for a poll here this morning, but when they put this poll out uh, in this this survey, they had 62% of the population that agreed with this statement. The next statement is, if you really forgive someone, if you really forgive someone, you would want that person to be released from the consequences of their actions. So if you really want forgiveness, or if you really uh, have forgiveness, then, then there is this desire for you to have them be re- to be released from the consequences of their action. Again, the statement was asked and it was an agree or disagree, and you could consider that yourself. For them, they, again, were right around that same mark. They had 60% of the respondents who agreed to this statement. The next one says that if you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild your relationship with that person. Again, they have a very positive response. This one, even higher, 73% agreed That if you really forgive someone, then that relationship ought to be rebuilt. And this last statement that they put out there is that if you have really forgiven someone, then you should be able to forget what that person did to you. Again, they had the majority that agreed with the statement. 66% agreed with the statement. Now, I... Put these out there and all of these questions, whether or not you agree or disagree, uh, I believe that all of these may be things that are worthy to strive for, but the reality is that the biblical, biblical perspective of each of these statements is wrong. It's not necessarily that, that you shouldn't do these, but the, the perspective that they are coming from is really the wrong perspective because forgiveness isn't about the other person. And each of these statements that was made is a statement that is dependent upon the other person, the other individual, or something that you hope will happen to the other person, or whether or not uh, your forgiveness actually takes place is dependent on something the other person does. And the problem is, That forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about me. Only 4% 4 of the... 
think I can say that. Only 4% of the respondents in this survey gave a biblical response to every one of those questions that were asked. Have you ever heard of a spiritual advisor, somebody you would come to that, uh, that you would trust that would give you spiritual advice, that you come to them and some awful thing has happened to you. And, and have you ever had anybody who you trust spiritually that has told you what happened to you is so awful that you would be a fool to forgive them? I certainly hope that that's not the advice that you've received because if it is, you need to find somebody else to be your spiritual advisor because it doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how awful the thing is that was done to you. Forgiveness is always the answer because forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is letting go of those feelings of bitterness Letting go of those feelings of, of hurt and those, those things where in you, if you allow them to sit there, if you allow them to fester, they will continue to build up and you yourself will not be whole unless you forgive. No pastor should ever advise someone to hold on to the things where you have been hurt. And yet that's exactly what many of us choose to do. We hang on to the offenses. We hang on to the hurts until we see the adverse effects of these things on our life. I want to go into a story, this, this story that's unfamiliar to many of us here today. It's that of Joseph. It's in Genesis chapter 37. And Joseph here was the second youngest of his large family. He had 11 brothers sisters as well and and he there was was the favored among all of these of, of these children the favorite of, favorite of his father and there was jealousy and, and hatred that uh had had taken place within the hearts of his siblings and there's this one day that we come here it's in in verse 23 of genesis 37 that we see joseph coming out and he had uh went to find his brothers who were taking care of the sheep it says that it came to pass that when Joseph came into his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. It was this thing that was showing the favor that he had. They took him and they cast him into a pit. That pit, it was empty. There wasn't any water in it. Then they sat down and they went to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and they looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah, this is one of his brothers, he said unto his brethren, what does it profit us if we just kill our brother? What, what are we going to benefit if we kill our brother, leave him down there in the pit? How about let's sell him to the Ishmaelites? Verse 27. And we will let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, he is our flesh. In other words, how about instead of killing him, let's just sell him, and he can go and he can be a slave in Egypt. We'll still get rid of him, we'll never see him again. And so his brethren were content. Verse 28, and then there passed by the Midianite, Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and they lifted up Joseph out of the pit. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. 
I can't imagine the kind of hurt that Joseph was experiencing in that moment. I'm certain this isn't the first time that his brothers had had done something to hurt him, to hurt his feelings. I'm sure that they had said things to him or done things to him in the past that have caused him to to be hurt and caused him to uh, to not want to be there with his brothers. But but this certainly rose to a level that to be sold. be just given away to say we don't want you we hate you enough to sell you into slavery we hate you enough that we are going to leave you you you're never going to be able to say goodbye to your father or mother you're never going to be able to say goodbye to your younger brother you're not going to be able to say goodbye to anybody but we're just going to sell you and you will live the rest of your life as a slave in egypt can't imagine the, the kind of hurt that that, that would have um, upon, upon Joseph and him, especially being just a young man at this time, just a, uh, really having so much of his life yet to live, these dreams that he had had and, and wondering, God, what, what do all these dreams mean? This, these dreams that I've had about, about becoming something great, what's, what's to become of all of that? The questioning that goes on in his mind. And, and there's certainly reason for him, if anybody were to truly harbor some anger or bitterness towards somebody. Joseph certainly had the right to, for, to harbor this anger and bitterness towards his brother. But I just want to look at these, this aspect of forgiveness. or These four different aspects of forgiveness. And reasons... That we may tell ourselves why we shouldn't forgive others. Because we all have reasons. We all have things that happen in our life and we, we tell ourselves, well, I can't forgive this person because of this. And I can't forgive them because of that. Or if I do forgive, then it's going to cause this to happen. And so let's just dive into these four different reasons of why we can't forgive or why we shouldn't forgive. The first is that forgiveness, we might tell ourselves that forgiveness denies the seriousness of sin. See, many people believe that by forgiving, we're denying the severity of the offense. It's like saying that what our offender did to wrong us, it it doesn't really matter. But even those same people would probably agree that some offenses are so petty that, that we probably should just overlook them. That, yeah, I mean, of course, we'll forgive most people, but there are some things that are just unforgivable. There are some things that, that I just, if I were to forgive them, then that would excuse their behavior. That would, that would deny the seriousness of what they're doing. And, and I want to look in the, the book of Proverbs. It's in Proverbs chapter 17. Verse 14, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Translation It says that starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. This, this quarrel, this, this thing that's, that is happening, and so this, this contention that is between the two of you, it's, it could feel like a flood, floodgate has opened up and the seriousness of the sin and even even you confronting them to forgive them and 
or, or, or this, this thing that they have done to you. Perhaps it has opened a floodgate in your life. They have done something to harm you. They have done something that in your mind is so serious that it feels as if the floodgates are open and you're standing there and it's, it's like, it's like the waters are just continue coming over you and you're never going to get rest from it. And you're, you're there and you're just barely, barely able to, to survive. And, and here you are and, and, and you're like, you're, you're feeling the floodwaters coming in and, and, and here they are. They, they're the ones who started this. So why should I be the one who could, who should close the floodgates? They're the ones who started it. I like what he said here. He says, the real, the ideal, uh, situation is that we drop the matter before dispute breaks out. Let's drop the matter. Let's, let's stop this dispute before, let's, let's drop this thing altogether before this dispute even breaks out. Now in Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 it says that people with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. Hmm. Overlooking wrongs. This is certainly an aspect of forgiveness. And when you've been wrong, Solomon here he's telling us that, that a wise person is one who doesn't make a federal case out of every injury that they experience in life. That this is not to say that even small slights, they're not painful because, because anybody ever had a paper cut? Even just that little paper cut, it can be painful. And just small things, things that, that you hear, overhear somebody say about you or just, you're just little things maybe that somebody did and, and it, it, it offends you, it hurts you. There's, there's offenses that you have that they may be, they may be small and that they may hurt, but he says even the big things, overlooking wrongs, overlooking wrongs is something that sensible people do. Now, what about the major offenses? That paper cut, maybe I can overlook that. Maybe that little thing I can overlook, but what about the major things? They shouldn't be overlooked, right? Is it even possible to treat every offense the same? Is it even possible to, to treat that, that stub toe in the same manner that you treat the paper cuts? Or the broken ankle the same way that you treat the paper cut? Is it, is it, is it possible to treat all offenses, the things that people do to you, they, no matter the varying degree of severity, is it possible to treat them in the same manner? Can you forgive the large things, the big things, in the same way that you forgive the small things. See, some people believe that when God forgives our sin, He overlooks our sin. But really, that's not the case. It's not that God overlooks our sin. Or overlooks sin in general. We see in, in Nahum chapter 1 verse 3, and we could point to other scriptures as well. But here, it, it tells us that the Lord... He is slow to get angry, but his power is great. And he never lets the guilty go unpunished. See, God's mercy cannot override his holiness. He, does, he doesn't just casually declare that, that sinners are righteous. He doesn't just casually overlook sin. That's not how God operates. He doesn't just look at sin and just, and, and just say, oh, I'm just going to brush that off. 
Sin is a serious matter for God. And that's why Calvary was so agonizing for him. That's why going to Calvary when he took our sin upon him, that it was the weight of the sin of the world's sin. It was agonizing for him, a sinless man, to take upon the sin, the sins of the world. And in that, he did take our sins and he didn't overlook them, but he paid the price for our sins. He took the pain that was to be inflicted, should be inflicted upon us. He took that and he let that pain be inflicted upon him and, and he forgave us of our wrongs against him. See, if forgiveness is going to simply gloss over the thing, the wrongs that have been done to me, then maybe we think, well, then I shouldn't have to forgive. If, if, if forgiveness means that I'm just going to gloss over the things that are wrong, then I shouldn't have to forgive. But should I? Should I really forgive? Well, Jesus, he did pay the price and he did forgive us. It didn't matter how big my sin was. It didn't matter how, how egregious my sin against him is. It all is the same at the foot of the cross. And it doesn't matter how big or how small it is. He forgave it all. Let's go to this second thing of this reason why I can't forgive. Right? I, I believe, or we might believe, that we shouldn't forgive others for things that they have done. And that's that forgiveness lets people off the hook too easily. It's kind of related to that last, uh, that last statement, but one of the most basic hindrances to forgiveness is this fear, fear of further abuse. The fact that you're going to, and it's a legitimate concern that you're going to have to face this again. And if you forgive them, then you may be, be hurt again by them. And this time, maybe even more deeply. It's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, that, that we see here, Peter, uh, coming and coming up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? He says, should I, should I forgive him till seven times? I think Peter really believed he was being really generous with his number of times that he was going to forgive somebody for doing something against him. Seven times! I mean, that's that's a lot. If somebody... If somebody offends you five times, it's like, okay, I've had enough. Like, let's stop. Seven times. I mean, that's, that's plenty of times that they would come up against us and that they would offend us and they would do things against, uh, you know, that, that would cause us to have to forgive. Seven times. Peter says, should I, should I extend it out that often? And Jesus' response, probably know what Jesus says. It's not, not seven times. But 70 times 7. In other words, 77 times is, is how often you should forgive them. And that's really uh, even just saying 77 times. This is, not, this is not even the extent that Jesus is saying. It's not that it has a limit. But rather, he was putting a number out there that, uh, that is talking about the limitless number of times that you should forgive somebody when they harm you. That it doesn't matter how many times that they come against you. It may be the same serious offense. Now, I'm not, 
I'm not advocating here this morning that you put yourself in harm's way over and over and over. I'm not advocating that you continue to try to rebuild relationships after they, uh, after you've been harmed over and over or abused over and over and over. There are times where relationships need to be severed. There are times uh, that you forgive somebody and you don't put yourself back in that same place. But what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that it doesn't matter how many times, how many times you've been offended. Forgiveness is about you. It's not about them. Forgiveness is something that you do. It's not dependent upon how many times that person has done it to you. This next, this next area of uh, where we might believe that we should not forgive others is we say, well, forgiveness places too much responsibility on the victim. You know, quite a convincing argument can be made for the fact that asking victims to let go of their pain And deny their desire for justice is just placing too much responsibility on the one who has been offended instead of the one who actually did the offense. Blaming the victim instead of the victimizer. They were the ones who did it. They're the ones who caused the pain. They should be the ones who should ask for forgiveness. They should be the ones who come to you and and say, please forgive me for what I've done to you. They're the ones who who bear the burden of, of responding in this situation it seems similar to coming across you know the the mangled body of somebody in a a hit and run uh, accident and telling them just to take care of their own injuries while while you go and you tell the driver "Ah, don't worry about it but the word of god gives us this distinct impression that he doesn't exempt us from tasks just because they're unfair Or just because they're difficult. That just because it's difficult to forgive somebody, even when they have not come to you to ask for forgiveness, or come to apologize for what they've done, that does not exempt us from forgiving somebody else. It does not exempt us just because something is hard or something seems unfair. That does not exempt us from doing what the Word of God teaches us to do. And that is to extend forgiveness to others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, we see here it says, it says, you have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the old law. But I say to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. It's not fair. It, it, it's, it's never going to be fair. But he says, it's not about fairness. It's about doing that which is right. It's not reasonable for God. Or sometimes it doesn't seem reasonable for God to expect this of us. But, but he's doing it because it's for our own good. Forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for me. The last thing that, that we might say about forgiveness and why I shouldn't do it is that for, we say forgiveness is unfair. And gradually as we've considered these these legitimate objections to forgiveness, we've uncovered really the bottom line is that forgiveness is unfair. That's the truth. Forgiveness is unfair. And all of us 
All of us are created in the image of God, regardless of how badly the image has been marred by sin. No matter how badly somebody may be twisted up and in, 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 in just because of sin and they've done something wrong to you. Instinctively, instinctively, we believe, well, sin should not go unpunished. But the reality is forgiveness is not fair, but forgiveness will set you free. Forgiveness will set you free from the pain. It will set you free from the guilt. It will set you for not, it'll set you free from the, the anger that you have. Forgiveness heals. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for you. See, all of these, all of these rational objections really arise from this basic, uh, misunderstanding of, of what forgiveness is. So, uh, let's, I want to just define forgiveness by, by looking at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying the reality of your pain. Forgiveness is not letting your offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not blaming you for what happened or blaming yourself, the victim, for what happened. Forgiveness is not fair, as I've said. But in the eyes of God, God, He is, it, 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 in, in, the, in the whole picture, forgiveness is fair because it's setting you free from the bondage that you will be in if you do not forgive. And so in the bigger picture, the fairness factor is very much on your side when you choose to forgive because if you do not forgive, the Heavenly Father says that I will not forgive you. Let's go to Romans chapter 9, verse 14. I'm going to read this in the, in the amplified version that we'll put up here on the screen. It says that, what shall we say then? Is, is there injustice with God? Are there, are there things that God does that are not right, that are not just? He says, certainly not. Certainly not. It's, it's not God proposing for us to do something that is not right or not just. God is proposing for us to do something that is going to allow us to be free, allow us to be healed. Forgiveness, forgiveness, it, uh, so far I've defined of what it is not, but if we look at what forgiveness is, the Greek word that is translated forgive, it carries with it the idea of a release from some type of ob- obligation. Now this could go from a financial obligation, forgiveness in that sense, to forgiveness of, of just uh, release of this obligation for somebody else to, uh, for somebody else to say sorry, is forgiveness for somebody else, uh, to, to make things right. Forgiveness is the release, you releasing somebody from an obligation. The greatest misunderstanding about forgiveness is that it's simply overlooking what somebody else did. The truth of the matter is that someone always has to pay. Somebody always is going to have to pay. And that's the essence of forgiveness is that when we forgive, we acknowledge that the wrong has happened. We recognize that there is an acknowledge that there, that there is an obligation for repayment. But we say, I'm releasing you right now. 
you choose to release them from that obligation. You choose to cover their loss instead of them covering the loss. I love that Jesus puts this in the terms of, of, a, of a debtor, somebody in a financial obligation. And that Matthew chapter 18, if we can go there, Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Here again, he's, he's still speaking on this topic of forgiveness. And he says, I, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Let's go down to verse 23. All right, I think I skipped one verse in there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. I'll get it here in a second. says here, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we don't measure uh, money the same way that they did at that, uh, that time, but 10,000 talents is basically a, an entire lifetime's wages. So you have somebody who owes his master, owes uh, his, his employer 10,000 talents, an entire lifetime, lifetime's wages. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had in repayment to be made. So he sells him to this debtor's prison, or puts him into this debtor's prison, and uh, demands that he pay off this debt. But the servant fell down and worshipped him. And he was saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and he loosed him and forgave him the debt. Hmm. When you look at this, this, uh, this parable that Jesus is, is speaking here, he's, he's putting this in the terms of a financial obligation that we have to pay. Something that this servant had no ability. There was no way he was ever going to be able to repay this debt of 10,000 talents. There was no possible way that he could ever, ever, even in the debtor's prison, get this paid off. And yet, when he knelt down at his master's feet, he said, would you forgive me? Master said, I'll wipe it off the board. Clean slate. You're forgiven. The servant had absolutely no way to make up, make even the smallest dent in such a huge debt. He's begging for just a little bit more time to try. And here he is, the master, saying, this debt that there is no way that you could pay, I'm just going to wipe it off the board. I'm going to forgive you today. Now why would he do that? How could he do that? He, he had to choose, the master had to choose to forgive. 
This was not a matter of fairness. This was not a matter of, of him saying, well, you know, I, I think financially it makes sense. If I were just to, to wipe that debt off the board, I think I could move around numbers here and there. And, and maybe this might make sense if I do this. Maybe, maybe if I forgive this person here, then the next time that comes around, they're not going to actually do that to me. The next time that comes around, maybe I'm going to be treated a little bit better. Maybe the next time that comes around and, and we could try to make all these calculations for why it might make sense or why it might not make sense to forgive somebody. But the calculations here were never made because it never made sense for the master to wipe the, wipe the board for a servant. It never made sense for him to release him and to forgive him of this debt. Because this was a debt that he could have never even made a dent in. He just chose to forgive. And I just want to end this here this morning with four strong reasons of why I should forgive. Reasons why we ought to forgive others. Number one is is that forgiveness is often the only way to settle a debt. Realistically, what alternative do you have when it's something that's you can never, un- that, that can never be paid. The king was smart enough to realize that he was holding a debt that was uncollectible. And many people struggle with offering forgiveness because they're unaware that they're holding a worthless debt. <laughs> Understandably, they, they, they want vengeance. But the truth is that very few sinners have the resources to pay their offenses. And what satisfactory payment could someone really give you to compensate for the egregious things that have been done? What, what kind of thing could somebody really pay? What could somebody really do on those, these things that we look at as unforgivable? Could somebody ever really pay that off? And the reality is they could never pay it off. And so for us, it's a choice to say, I'm releasing you from this debt that you can never pay. I'm forgiving you today because forgiveness doesn't make sense, but it's the only thing that I have left to do to get rid of this debt. There's nothing that you can do to really rid this debt off the books unless I forgive it. So forgiveness is the only way to settle the debt. Also, secondly, forgiveness frees us to get on with our life. The king was also smart enough to realize that he had too many responsibilities to allow himself to be distracted just by this one man's obligation. (laughs) If he gets so distracted and so bottled up with just, just making sure that he gets paid back from this one thing, then that is keeping him from all of these other things that he could do. And you can be held hostage emotionally when you do not forgive. But by forgiving others, it is releasing yourself to allow others into your life and to allow others to come close to you. Because what happens when we don't forgive is oftentimes we don't allow people to get close to us anymore. And we have all these walls built up and we say, I've been hurt before, I don't want to be hurt again. And so we hold ourselves emotionally hostage because of a situation, or maybe it's, it's a multitude of situations, but what can happen with forgiveness is it breaks these walls down, and it allows us to actually get on with our life. I need to continue here. We have just two more. Forgiveness 
It's an antidote to needless suffering. If you continue that parable, you see what takes place is, is this, this young man uh, who is forgiven of his, of his debt. He goes and he has somebody else who owes him just a little, very small debt. And uh, when this, this uh, friend of his asks for forgiveness of that debt, or just a little bit more time, he goes and he says, no way, I'm not giving you more time. And he throws him into a prison. Now when the, when the master, when he finds out about this, he, he goes and he comes, comes behind. He says, he says, why would you do that? I forgave you of something that was unforgivable. I gave, forgave you of something that you could not have ever paid back. And yet you cannot extend forgiveness in this situation. See, those who refuse to forgive, what happens is you enter into your own private torture chamber. You're going to experience pain. And we see he goes into this prison or this place of torment that he goes into. And and with every offense comes this choice to either hold on to it and be tortured by it or to release it. Release it. And I'll just, I'm going to end with this, that forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. It's the obligation of of the forgiven, because we have been forgiven, we ought to forgive others. We are obligated to forgive others. We have been forgiven of everything. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is, we have been forgiven of it all. And so let's forgive others. I know we have our Sunday school classes that are making their way back in, but I wonder all around this, this room, if we could just stand to our feet. Because forgiveness is not a one-time action. doesn't mean that you completely forget all the things that have been done to you. It doesn't mean that, that all of that, all of your memories have been wiped and you're never going to have these things come back in your mind. But if you still feel that pain, feel that hurt when a situation comes up, when you get around somebody and you, you, you tense up and you feel it, in that moment, I, I wonder if you could just wrestle with that. Why? Why am I feeling this way? Have I forgiven? When I think of, of the things that have been done to me and, and, and I just want vengeance on them and, and that those thoughts of vengeance can just keep coming to mind. Why is that? Have I forgiven? Have I released them of this? It's not, it's not because it's fair to do that. It's not because they shouldn't have to pay. No. I just want to be rid of all this guilt and all this pain, all these things that I've been holding and harboring. I want to get on with my life. I want to be able to be, be able to forgive just as, the, just as Joseph ends up forgiving his brothers. When his brothers come to him and they come to Egypt, he forgives his brothers. He extends that forgiveness. He reveals himself to them and says, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now that God had a perfect plan for everything that would happen in my life. You guys played a part in that and, and I, I I was hurt by what you did, but I forgive you now today. And the tears came streaming down his face as he hugged his brothers and he, and he welcomed them there into his home. And he said, here, here, I want you all to come and to know that I forgive you and that I love you. What if there's somebody today, if you could just lift up a hand as we close this service. Say, God, 
I don't want to hold on to the things that I've been holding on to. The things, God, that they have kept me bound. They have kept my mind bound. Lord, I pray that you would help me to forgive. God, help me, Lord, with this aspect, God, that you have called us to do. That is this obligation that you have called us to. That's not an easy obligation. But, God, I release them right now. God, I forgive. God, I forgive.